Hello everybody, welcome back, welcome back. On today's episode we have Nate Zander who, some of you may know, he's been involved in like the kind of pop punk subgenre spin-off series we'll call it. He's been playing strings on the Wonder Years, Burst and Decay records, their own West stuff, Elder Brothers recent work. The Casaloma EP that Nick from Man Overboard did. He's also been playing guitar in the early November for a few years now. And he actually played for CJ Ramon in his band for four years, which I didn't know actually, which is really cool. Yeah, Nate's living out in LA now, working on producing, arranging and writing songs in the current climate. And it was a really nice chat. I'd like to thank him for taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, I'd like to thank him for jumping on at 9am instead of 12 because I got his time zone wrong. So yeah, I appreciate him getting up at 9am on a Saturday to do this with me, which was cool of him. Um, Yeah, thanks very much for listening. I really hope you enjoy the episode. Be sure to check out the stuff he's played on his ideas are fantastic especially check out the Casaloma ep entitled this is coping uh, you will not be disappointed hope everyone's still enjoying the days and life isn't getting too strenuous despite everything that's happening and yeah keep it real stay true and peace you're in la i thought you were i thought it was east coast man i thought you were eastern time you know it's funny man well i usually am but i i, I woke up and i was like you know, I got this weird feeling. Like, let me check <laughs> something real quick. What time is it in, in the UK right now? Yeah, it's like, yeah, all right. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm sorry if you had to like jump out of bed and like smash a coffee down here. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, man. I felt bad for you because I was like, oh, I don't want to leave this man hanging. You know, I, I so appreciate you wanting to talk to me, man. Yeah, nah, thanks for jumping on and, and wanting to talk to me as well, mate. Do appreciate it. Sorry, uh, I made your day, your Saturday start earlier than maybe it needed to. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's, a, it's a great start to the day. I like it. Gets me going, man. Yeah, yeah. I find that, mate, quite a lot of days. Because um, I've, I've been working like only two days a week because we're on a huge shutdown here in England. But when, I, when I'm in my job, I work at like a bakery. Um uh-huh. I have to like when Joan is so early and people are talking to you and you're like my brain just like isn't working like yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. So are you how long have you been out in LA? Are you born and raised there? Or have you been living there like a part of your adult life? What what took you to that part or was it literally just being born <laughs> basically? Uh, it was very, very new for me. I've only been out here about four or five months. Um oh, right. I've always I've always dreamed of living here. Yeah. Uh, for music and it's just like people have been telling me for years uh it's the place to be so i've been kind of trying and i wanted to move earlier but you know the pandemic made things pretty hard so yeah got here as soon as i could you know yeah yeah i know man because obviously the pandemic has made life a logistical like fucking nightmare at times absolutely uh yeah man for real have you have you been busy musically then this past twelve months? Like yes or no? Everybody has like a, re- a real different answer, man. Some people it's completely yeah. stagnant, and some people they're like, I've never been so fucking busy because of all the time to record and write and be like do the whole inside isolation part of it. How has it been for you? Well, it's funny, man, because I took like at the same time the pandemic happened, I had also just. Uh, moved out to uh phoenix with a girl right with my oh, girlfriend okay. yeah. so i thought i thought it was going to be fine i was like yeah we got all this i'll just go there for a few months and then i'll go to la yeah. but 
then I got stuck there because there was no work for music. And I ended up working construction for like nine, 10 months. And then I moved to LA and got to start making music again. Yeah. What direction is, as have you taken since moving to LA? Have you become a product of the environment as, as a such? Um, I think so. I mean, I've been starting to work under um, a pop producer. It's really funny, actually. Um, he's from uh, the same area as like A-Senders and Nick Bruzzese. Yeah, um, yeah. I met this guy, Bruce Wigner, through them. Um, and he's Yeah, pop- I, I know that name. I do know that name. Yeah. 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 Bruce is like, he's a pretty successful guy out here. And he kind of has totally taken me in under his wing since I moved here. And uh, I'm just like learning everything from him. I'm kind of like an assistant. And then we also write music together. And he's just like made it all possible. Very sick, man. It's cool. It's led up to this because I first heard of you as an individual I'd been listening to what you had performed on without really knowing who you were like prior to this. But um, so I did, I spoke to Nick Brzezzi like quite a lot last year, man. Um, uh-huh. And I did like a big, I did like a press release for the Casaloma EP. And then um, I was, I was asking him who played on it and he mentioned your name and he was like, put this guy's name in fucking bold. I was like, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> so I did, I did anyway. I was like, who is this guy? And he like, he told me like, you know, how you got involved, what you're playing and how good you were essentially. Like, how did you come into meeting Nick and Ace? Was that how you kind of got involved with performing on like the Wonder Years recordings, the Aaron West stuff and the Casaloma? How did, how did you really get involved with the whole like modern punk subgenre, playing it in a different light? Oh man, it was the best chance in the world. It was like yeah, a friend of mine from my hometown, he wanted to go record at their studio. Right, and- okay. He was trying to convince me to go with him. And I was like, dude, I so don't want to go. Like, I don't want to drive down to Philadelphia-ish to, like, (laughs) do a session for free. Yeah. And (laughs) I went down there and I did it. And Nick was really, really kind to me, like, right off the bat. He just was like, you're cool. I like you. What? Yeah, Nick Nick is so easy to like, man. (laughs) So easy to get along with. Totally. And then Ace was the exact opposite. He was so mean to me all day, right? Like the first <laughs> day I was there, he would like barely speak to me. And then at the end of it, he was like, you're pretty cool. What's your deal? And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, okay. I was like, I don't know, man. Like I play a bunch of instruments. If you guys ever need like strings or whatever, like hit me up. And then the next day he texted me and was like, hey, the Wonder Years are coming soon can you make strings happen for it? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and it was like, it was really kind of a magical moment for me. And then we kept working together and then he asked me to go on tour with the band. And then it was like, the rest was history. Wow, man. Fucking crazy. It's, it's so mad sometimes when I talk, I, t- I talk to like people every day, this kind of stuff. And some are like the right place, right time stories are like off their head, man. And, uh, for real, man. Yeah. How was it then, man, going from... So were you working construction prior to that whole, you know, paragraph of your life? And because you, you mentioned you did that, like, were you... Yeah. How involved in, like, music and we'll call it, like, professional playing were you prior to playing on the Burst and Decay and touring it? I was actually super into the professional music world because yeah. I had gotten a gig, another Right Place, Right Time gig before that. Um yeah playing guitar and um for cj ramon for the ramones 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I got that gig like through a friend's father, like hooked me up. So right after high school, instead of going to college or anything, I went right on tour with them. And and I'm more of a trained musician, like classically. So whenever I was back in New York, I was always working like on musicals or in the church or like any gig I could get playing piano, like doing cover gigs and bars. Oh, okay. Super like conservative kind of vibe. Like, yeah. 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 I was raised like a little, a little on the proper side. So I learned to play the violin and the piano and all that stuff. Oh yeah. By the book. Yeah. Okay, man. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So it was kind of like, it was a good foundation to like learn it and forget it when playing rock music, you know? Yeah, how was it um, performing on that first Wonder Years release? Because how did it go, really? Because you, you're taking like a classical instrument into essentially a, a punk rock band. And was it, was, was it difficult or was it really easy for you to kind of capture their vision and turn this like energetic sounding record into a relaxed like atmosphere? How, how, how was it starting off on that? Was, was it like a nervous experience or was it kind of just like, you know, I'm used to this, I can do whatever I want. How was the transposing element of it? It, you know, it's always nervous, like, the first time. Like, it was really the first time working with Ace on a big project. But yeah, he also, like, he told me, he was like, okay, I will send you all the band's ideas, like, the week before we go to the studio so you have time to prepare, right? Yep. And when he said that, I guess he meant the night before at 1 a.m. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> he yeah. didn't send me anything until then. So I stayed up for like four hours, like trying to transcribe and transpose out everything for myself and the other two string players. Oh, and you know. yeah. it was such a scary, and then we got up from New York and the three of us string players drove three hours down to the studio and like, it all worked out. It sounded great, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of, it was kind of nerve wracking. You know, the wonder is just like six of those dudes or whatever. So yeah. it's like, yeah. At the time, I was like, who's in charge? Who's telling us how to play? What's going on here? But, yeah, who's running the show kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny because like Soupy was just hanging out, taking photos of the whole thing. He didn't really say a word, but they were, really? so, <laughs> yeah. they were, they were so nice. Like it ended up being a really nice experience. Yeah, they seem just like proper friendly guys, man. And you just have like, you know, say if you just said like, how you doing on the bus to them? They'd talk to you, <laughs> you know. Yeah, totally. They were all like a really easygoing crew. It was definitely like a fun day. So how was it taking all those songs and transcribing it and kind of hitting, because you say like, because it's weird, you know, because when you hear the parts, they sound like so delicate, so really nice touches. But it's it's funny when you put that whole backstory to it, like you would never, never, ever know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had like what I believe to be the best, the best playing with me that day. Okay, yeah. Um, the cellist that was there is this woman, Christine Kruda, who's gone on to do more work with the Wonder Years. Real, yeah. Um, she has an orchestra of her own. and, and Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. I've seen, I've seen her involved in their work after. Yeah, I know who you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, she is so wonderful. My friend Gabe was there too, who is like a talented player. So basically, like, Subi had given us ideas of like string parts he was thinking. And then I was just able to say to my friends who were so talented, I was like, guys, let's just let's embellish a little, like, let's do a little more. And they, we were kind of just all on the same page. Like that was just one of those kind of lucky days, you know? 
Yeah, like, I guess it's always nice when everyone just naturally finds that cohesive, like, mental space and there's no, no one's treading on anyone. It's just like, yeah, everyone's totally, is the same. Yeah. Yeah, we were just kind of like, we were in the zone and like, at the right time, I guess. Yeah, was it, was it a strange one? You talk about like, Dan sending you those, you know, string ideas. Was it weird? Was it weird kind of, get, kind of getting it off like a guy like him compared to, you know, working in the theatre environment to some guy who's been like playing, you know, punk rock shows for a decade? You were like, does this guy oh. kind of know what he's talking about? Was it, was it um, you know, in terms of like meeting and hearing a pitch like that from not a guy from outside that circle? How, how was that approaching it? Was it on the surface? You know, I think what you just said you've been captured the reason why I have work is that I get, I get ideas and notes from people who don't know how to say them. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's why I feel like people like to hire me because there are a lot of musicians who are trained who will be like, don't give me an idea. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and I've never been one of those guys. I'm kind of like, Hey, let's make whatever we can happen. If you want to like sit up in my face and go, no, can you go beep, beep, boop, boop, boop? I'll like, I'll try, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I just want to make it, I want to make people's visions happen. So the translation aspect of classical music to rock band, I think is the reason why I keep working, you know? Yeah. That's how Nick like really described the, um, when you guys did the This Is Coping EP, he was like, I'd just be like, yeah, make it go up or down or hold that. Like, explain it so, so vaguely. And you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I would always try, man. I'd always try it until he, you know, felt good. Yeah, man. How, why, why do you think your mindset takes that natural approach then? Is that how you've always approached life and situations? What is it about you that, that has that level of patience and has that level of almost like stripping stuff down to its like bare instructions and just kind of connecting with people through their shoes, if you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I realized like when I started touring with punk rock bands mm -hmm. that all that really mattered in music was to be able to connect to fans and, 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 and you know, friends and fans. Like all that mattered was the statement, you know? Yeah. Um, and that the technical prowess was not important because I would meet all these guys who could only play a couple chords and they had lives and families and kids. And I was yeah, like, Oh my God. Like, I guess the only thing that matters is being honest and making a good song, you know? Um, yeah, so that yeah. kind of shifted my perspective. Like once I got out of high school and started meeting punk rockers who've been doing it for life, um, it was really eye opening for me. Yeah, I was at, I was chatting to a guy called you know Lauren Israel. Do you know his name? I think I do. Who is he? Lauren Israel. He's the, he he used to work for like Capital and did like a bunch of like big records between like two thousand and two thousand and five kind of thing. He's he's still doing it. Um, he did he did he produced you know that song like Hey There Delilah. He did like Bleed America, Jimmy Wells, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and he and he was saying like I asked him like what he's noticed in changes in like people in the industry, and he was like, "Music was better, man. Was when people who did like really shit in school were just making music rather than these university <laughs> kind of edu like 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 pretty much you just said. It's like people who yeah. can play a few chords and just did it and were honest. Exactly, man. Like 
it, it, it makes you think like, especially when you spend so much time learning the proper mechanics of music, you know, Ace actually, he said this to me one day. It was great. I yeah. showed him a demo of mine that had like a bunch of chord changes. It was all smart and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. And he just, he turned to me and I've like never forgotten this moment ever. And he was like, Nate, whatever song you're trying to write, it's the same three chords as all the other ones. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, damn, bro. And I walked away as a shattered young man, but I came back stronger, you know? That's a real hit in the kneecap, my brother. <laughs> yeah, but it was really good. I mean, what a guiding principle, you know? Yeah, it's weird. I've, I've never spoke to Ace ever, man, but they, they seem like, I don't know, polar. Are they like polar opposite geezers? I know Nick's moved on a little bit now, but like, was it a strange yeah. dynamic being involved with them too? A million percent. It was always <laughs> like Ace was Ace is the intense guy and then Nick would break up the tension. He would make everybody feel good. Everybody ha- everyone's happy with Nick. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Nick is an incredible guy to track with. And I think that's why he has so much like he's having success with all these bands is because like Mm. he feels like he's playing an instrument when he's tracking. Like, that's how I feel. Like he'll stand up with me. He'll go through the part with me. He'll act out like my viola bow or like whatever it is. Like he I think that's why he gets such good stuff out of people, you know? Yeah, he seemed. Uh, yeah, he seemed like just a, a really sarcastic Italian geezer man who could just like. <laughs> yeah, well said, man. Yeah, yeah was it? it's the, the opposite with Ace for sure. He's he can be really, <laughs> he's intense. He's an intense guy. Yeah, well, I you, you never know till you speak to people, man. You never know. It was um. um so you talk when you were coming on like the Wonder Years stuff, helping Nick out and doing like all the you know pretty much everything you've done up, up to date. Does, does responsibility hang over your head in not a dark cloud, but is that, do you feel the pressure and the responsibility of performing to a certain standard and up now, like your CV's grown over the past few years of why people would want to work to you, work with you. Is it really the case now where people expect a certain limit and do you, do you feel the pressure as time goes on and new projects arise? I feel less pressure as time goes on. I feel Like every time I do it, every time I play strings or piano or anything on a song and it works out, yeah, I'm always like a little amazed. And then I'm like, every time I do it again, though, I'm like, okay, that's one more, you know, Mm -hmm. that's one more time I've done it and it's worked. So maybe I can do it again tomorrow, you know? Yeah, I guess it's just practice, man. Like fucking everything in the world. It really is, man. And it just like gets a little, it gets a little easier every time for me. Yeah. So how did you get into playing? Because you, I know that's a very broad question, but you speak about being like classically trained, going through it like, you know, by the book, climbing the ladder. Um, how did you get into playing music like first classically? And yeah, what's your story behind music becoming such an important part and a driving force in your life? Um, music for me like started like way young when I was four years old. My parents got me like the smallest guitar they could and a yeah, little drum yeah. set. Because all I wanted to do while the other kids like played was I wanted to stay inside and watch a hard day's night and like every other Beatles movie. Yep. Um, So that was when I started taking lessons when I was like four and five years old, I would take guitar and drum lessons. Mm. Um, And the classical music came later when I was like nine or 10, I started taking violin lessons and I was obsessed. Just, I loved it. Like, I was such a dork. Like I just wanted to listen to Bach. Like that was all. I was so excited about music. 
classical music, you know. Wow, man. So, what an interesting answer because to me, it's like in American high school compared to English high school, they really push that like big band, classical training, loads of strings, choir vibe going on. I'm taking it you were like a heavily involved bloke with all, all of over. them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah man. I, I loved it though. I don't know. Mm. Why? Why? Why do you think your brain was so attached to this at an early age, and you know, through throughout your teenage life and everything? I think my dad set the course real right. He was always in bands growing up as a piano player, and so, like, on on the weekends, instead of like playing sports or doing whatever, my dad and I would listen to old records. Um, we just listened to vinyl and like The Doors and Jimi Hendrix and like all these. 60s stuff because he was an older guy so he's a hippie and like yeah that just became my world like that was what i i liked more than anything else was listening to old records and so i think that just set the course from a young age and and every time i'd like a certain type of music my dad would get he'd get interested too if i liked classical music he would listen to classical music with me or whatever you know so Shout out to my dad because he really, he really did it. What intrigued you about classical music? Why did the violin compared to the guitar like draw you in, man? Because it's, you know, a lot of kids give these like stringed instruments a go, you know, and yeah. they they kind of flop it or like they just do it because their mom's like, you need to do something on a Wednesday after school or like, yeah. <laughs> why, what, why did you take to it and really, really fucking go for it? I think I have like. I can have a pretty obsessive personality where if I start something, I want to be able to hear, like, especially with music, if I start learning an instrument, I'm not going to stop until I'm able to hear the sound I want in my head. Yeah. And classical music always just, it just struck me. Like I, I was always able to just like, I listened to it and the beauty would like really overwhelm me. And I loved that. And I wanted to be able to do it too. Like I wanted to be able to make people feel emotional with my strings. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the pursuit. It's been the pursuit ever since. And I feel like I had a breakthrough with Nick on the Casa Loma record. And like, that was some emotional stuff, which I loved. And now I'm having some more breakthroughs with Bruce out here. So it's like, that was really the answer is like classical music made me feel emotional and I wanted to do the same thing. So I think that's why I started working on it. You, if you could replicate that feeling into listeners, how you felt as a listener, was that, is that the idea, you know, is that totally. Yeah, totally. I wanted to bring it to other people too, because most people don't get to interact with strings in their music a whole lot. Especially hitting it at this. Oh, I keep saying the term punk rock, even though the music isn't that, but it's like, it's that demographic of listeners though. I don't know, man, you're kind of opening a door and like flying the flag, forgetting strings <laughs> years that would have never, I've never heard a bow hit a string in their life, maybe, or even given it time. Yeah. You know, like, I like to just like, I don't like thinking that whatever sounds we're used to hearing are the only ones we can hear, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I just feel like, why not try strings on this, you know, band songs? Like, uh, I just did a record, a couple of recordings for Nick, this band, the Maguas. Yeah, I know uh, them. Yeah, I had them. Um, yeah, I spoke to them before. Yeah, they're, they're doing a cool thing, man. They're like so cool. And like, they sent me a couple songs to play on. And one of them was like heavy as all hell. And I put some like really heavy strings in there and it sounds badass. Like it almost sounds like what an electric guitar would do. 
But yeah, I was yeah. just like, this is so cool. Like, I'm so glad these guys like took a chance, you know? Yeah, it's fucking sick, man. It's nice to see people taking it further than like a yellow card album, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. We got to expand. Yeah, of yeah. course, man. Yeah, I know that band. I was never fucking sure how to say their name. I like, nah, you know, I, I took a chance right now by saying it, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It might be like, is it like the Magwas? I don't know, man. I'd, I'd it's, love... probably, it's probably Ma- Magwas. That sounds better. If I ever get them on like a voice call, I'm just going to be like, yo, before we start, like on a level, <laughs> tell me like, how the fuck do you say your band's name? <laughs> yeah, please let me know if you do. Yeah, yeah. I'll send you a little voice note if we ever find out. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, man. So you mentioned getting into touring straight after high school. Obviously, man, that's a, a pretty large gig at the age of like 18. Um, how yeah. did this come about? How did you get into that touring circuit with that group of people? Like what kind of networking connections were you making as a teenager to, to result in, you know, you graduating, doing the whole hat in the air thing like you guys do in, in America <laughs> to like, you know, step, stepping out and like, yeah, like in a, in a van around the country playing to like pretty packed clubs, I can imagine. It was even a more ridiculous story than that, man. My my first, the first friend I ever made as a four-year-old, yeah. what happened was his father, I never knew anything about his dad or what his dad did for work. And then when we were 18 and we were just hanging out playing basketball and he goes, hey, Nate, you want to go on tour with CJ Ramon? <laughs> like, he knew I was in music, but he never talked to me. He wasn't like a fun-loving guy. Okay. And we started- we started talking and turned out he had worked for the Ramones for like 10 years back in the day. Um, and he was one of Johnny Ramones closest friends. Um, and he also managed this guy, CJ Ramone, who was now doing his own solo music since the band ended. And so the proposition he gave me was like, okay, they have a South American tour and they don't need a guitar player yet. They just need a roadie. Okay. But you need to go and learn all the songs, Nate, because I'm telling you, one day you're going to play. And I was like, all right. So I went and I agreed to go to South America for no money at the time. And it was a crazy tour. We flew every single day. It was like 28 flights in 29 days or something. And it was out of control. It was like uh, it was like real rock star stuff, because in South America, the Ramones and punk rock are like the biggest thing in the world really well yeah they just have a love for it like um so it was like all of a sudden like i went from being like 18 in high school to being like trying to battle people off stage and like them surrounding the van and breaking our taillights and stuff like that like crazy stuff wow Um, getting fully mobbed as well like that bloody hell yeah and then right after that tour i kind of had like proved my worth and then they were like, you should play guitar. And, and then it was like history. Like it just kind of, I had that one crazy tour in the beginning as a roadie having to like show I could hold my own. And then they let me into the club. Yeah. How was doing that as a roadie? Did you know anything about like what that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I didn't know anything about anything. Yeah. Uh, they were just like, they were nice to me. They'd be like, you know, Nate, can you restring the guitars or do whatever? And I would, I'd just do whatever was asked of me, you know? Um, yeah, man. That's, that's the thing that I think got me in. It's just like work ethic, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, true. Um, yeah, because keeping your head down and just nodding it and just, just being a, a, a yes man in every single way, that's a... Uh, because that 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 mindset surely is carried on into the music, you know, taking everyone's ideas and just working on it and working on it and just trying to get involved in everything you can. Totally. That's like yes, yes first philosophy right now is the way I always looked at it, you know? Mm. How was playing guitar in that then? Were you in that his band for for a while or how did it go um, yeah for like four years wow man so um, you you were so young doing that mate bloody hell yeah i mean i think it it made it easier being young because it was very athletic like you know the yeah. ramones music is is fast and in your face and so we'd play an hour set and like all down picking like just like ferocious bar chords um i loved it it was great like I I still think we'll probably tour again, but you know, COVID shut it down. But yeah, we'd have a great time. I mean, and I got to meet a lot of amazing punk rock people through that band. You know, we'd play festivals and all over Europe, and got to go to Japan, and like that band was like magic to be in for me as a kid. No way, man! That's so cool. I had no idea you were doing that. Um, yeah. So where, where where did you go from there? Like, how? Why did that? you know gig end for you where did you take it from there like was it kind of hard to find direction after that because you're like you i've just been caught up in this big kind of whirlwind at a very young age when like being like naivety can kind of take prominence like how was it moving on from that like where what was the goal did you have a goal after that the, well the problem that was so hard is is actually going on simultaneously with the early november so like up until like 2019 before the world shut down i was going back and forth like i was on tour with early november doing the new fan glory tour yeah and then i flew out directly from that tour to europe to meet cj's band and like it was it was going on and on like that like one cj tour one early november tour and then it didn't all stop until the pandemic hit and then everything stopped and that was the moment where i was like now i'm lost you know, <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. So it was kind of going on simultaneously. And I was like, this is great. I'm making money. I'm playing with different bands. Like, mm. and then it all stopped, you know, how's, how's that been there, man? The past year having this, you know, you just put in, putting the handbrake on, like being forced to put the handbrake on and what, how was it stopping to reflect having all this time and all this time to think what's it, what's it, what, how's it sent you kind of your headspace and your personal goals and how you reflect music and life and every, everything in between? It, it's been hard because it was also, it coincided with moving across the country. Like, you know, I never, I was born and raised in New York and all my family's there. Yep. And, uh, I thought like when I moved with my girlfriend, I was like, oh, I'll be back in New York all the time. You know, like what's the big deal? And then I haven't been able to see anybody in so long, you know? Um, so it was a really, really challenging 2020, you know, like you have those moments when you're like, wait, last year, wasn't I like hanging out in Germany playing for a sold out show? And now I'm working in the desert cutting concrete. I'm like, how did this happen? You yeah. <laughs> Um, and now to, for the other side of it, now I'm in LA working like as a music producer. I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, like life keeps changing, you know, so weird. It's been, but 2020, it was rough, man. It was touch and go there for a bit. It was hard. 
Yeah, my as well for everybody, you know. But yeah, yeah, it was a yeah a shit yeah. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, you know, and I had it like pretty good in the grand scheme of things. I still had you know a place to live and all that, and I was healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard though, man. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to. It's hard for those like little things to kind of make you satisfied because you know when people are like, oh, if you got a roof above your head and a fridge full of food, it's like all you need. It's like it's very. It's, it is very difficult to achieve that mindset. You know, like, like if I look at my ceiling now and then open my fridge, that's not going to like make my day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate you for saying that because I was like, I said it was hard, and then I was like, I don't want to sound like a dick, like, you know, like I know it wasn't. I mean, it, it's all perspective, but like it was, it was hard as shit, man. And yeah, a lot of those things don't help in the moment. No way. It's uh, yeah, of course it doesn't, man. Like if I'm ever feeling like a bit down, I'll, yeah, I don't just look at my, my roof and like check my cupboard. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't, that does that. If that fixes your problem, man, like you're chilling, like no stress. Yeah. No, well said. All right. That was well said. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what kind of records were making an influence uh, on you in high school? Because you obviously got into like punk and like hardcore stuff at a certain point to to lead to playing with CJ from going to like you know a, a big classical interest at the early age of ten. Like what happened in between then? Like what records were really jumping out? And yeah, man, when did you notice? Were you were you involved with like a scene um, in New York at the time? Uh, it was it was actually so weird and and backwards for me as everything has been. But when I was really young, like eleven and twelve, I was too young to be working, but I got a job at a music store. Yeah, and that was when I first got exposed to pop punk and stuff like that. I I would play in I would play violin in this pop punk band that like wanted to be Yellow Card. All the kids were like eighteen, and I was twelve. Oh, sick. That's really cool. I would hang out. I would hang out and play, and that's where I started like listening to all sorts of music like that. Like my sister was always a fan of like Senses Fail and Dashboard Confessional, and so yeah, yeah. I started like loving the that kind of music, and then I would like when I was younger, I would listen to like you know, I don't know. I started listening to all the pop punk boys, like girls and. You know, like not quite the early November, but like started listening to those bands. And uh, mm. and then it kind of like it was weird because I'm so much younger that like once those 18 year old kids left my town, there was no one else who like listened to pop punk anymore. You know, Yeah. OK, so then I was kind of like without a band at the years where I really wanted to have a band like high school and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah. Prime time. How old are you, mate? If you don't mind me asking. I'm 24. No, I'm fucking hell. Yeah. So like no one else was into pop punk after the older kids left. So I just kind of got into other sorts of music. I started playing a lot of classical music, yeah. started listening to a ton of rap music. Um, and yeah. and kind of put a lot of that punk rock stuff out of my mind. My plan after high school was uh, me and my friends started a wedding music company. We were just going to be a wedding band until we made it was the goal. <laughs> and solid then, gig. Uh, solid gig, man. That's people are going to keep getting married. So yeah, fucking hell. Exactly, bro. I still play a good wedding when it comes around, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, fuck yeah, man. But like, yeah, that was, the, that was the only plan. I had really not thought about punk rock and forever. And then, uh, the CJ Ramon gig brought me right back in. And all of a sudden I was like part of this punk rock universe that became so important to me. 
Yeah, that's kind of like your fundamental like root years, like becoming the big leaf at the top on accident kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. And and it's something that people now it's weird because of the, what I've done now people treat me like I've like I'm this like punk rock guy and I'm like, okay, sure, I'll take it. You know, that's cool. Yeah, it's kind of like you become a figure in that scene, like on accident, man, in a way. (laughs) On accident, dude, that's like the best way to put it. You know, I just keep like doing stuff. But I mean, but that's also like the luxury of like working with uh, a former Ramon is like, you know, I've gotten to meet some really cool people who hold him and the band in very high regard. So in turn, they treat me really well. You know, it's kind of like it's luck a lot of the times, you know. Yeah, it's, you know, one hand is washing the other constantly, man, and you remember it. Exactly, exactly. Was Yellow Card a big thing for you? Because we actually had Josh on the show, like their old bass player, a few, about yeah. a month or so ago. Um, yeah, were they like a big pivotal thing? Because obviously that's like the ideal combination of a violin player liking punk stuff. You know, they really like, not to be that guy, they really weren't for me. Like, cool. I wasn't like i knew ocean avenue and that was like kind of it <laughs> yeah. um, which is so funny because i got to spend a little bit of time like um with william ryan key because he was on the new fan glory tour that i played on oh yeah true with uh oh fucking hell y'all know that tour lineup man did movie yeah. like yeah well and he was he was funny as hell about my viola like he would see me holding it and like start making jokes every day or like things like that and uh yeah it's funny but like that was like i didn't have too much of a, a fandom for the band I, you know people ask me that a lot but like i'm, I'm sure just, they do man yeah yeah it was just kind of like just kind of happy accident that's my combination of strings and punk but i mean you gotta respect the the ogs i guess there you know yeah true man i think what you're doing is very uh it's actually like opening doors for this generation of listeners because i think i think playing on the Casaloma stuff and the Wonder Years stuff and like the Elder Brother, it's like people are like, oh, this can actually work whenever we want. <laughs> that's that's awesome, man. I mean, that's like what that's what Nick has been telling me. Like he's like, dude, this sound, I think like people want it now. Um I think they do as well, yeah, for sure. That's like incredible. I mean, I I I'm not conscious of it when it's happening. I'm just taking work as it comes, you know. Um but yeah. I always I always try to give a hundred percent, you know, to like anyone who sends me some project that, you know, like I'm always just appreciative of people wanting to work, you know? Yeah, man. Why do you think people like are clicking with this approach in this day and age? Cause I, I don't know if stuff like, you know, morphs and evolves through like, like natural kind of like changes as, as music goes on. But what, why do you think people in 2020, 2021 and the and like the past few years have, I've really clicked with hearing these songs with this uh, like ingredient added. I think it's like, it's, it's what a lot of people have been saying, but like, it's because they can't be recreated. They're so vulnerable and they're so real. Yeah. And I think we're so used to hearing such polished sound these days that people are starting to really feel something from sounds they can't recreate, you know, from live moments again. Yeah. Um, and so that's the biggest praise I get from when people hear it. Oh, this is so vulnerable. This is so emotional. This is so real. Um, so I think it's just that contrast of like 
we're not used to hearing that a ton in our daily listening listening ship, you know? Yeah, man. Not anymore with the amount right. of, like, you know, I have, like, logic on here to do all this, man, but I, I, I could control any MIDI keyboard with my fucking, like, actual keyboard with letters on, <laughs> you know? I know, exactly. And so, yeah, a lot of those people, like, you know, it's, like, it's so exciting to have a string player in the room and it's like let's make something unique for you that like you can't recreate on a keyboard you know i think it's that cycle thing man because obviously you know you mentioned bands like senses failed dashboard it was a very different time in terms of technology and availability in like everyone having access to it yeah true so i think i think maybe now people people are almost clicking with this because it was that was the stuff that set people off like 15 years ago or so yeah i know the cycles are definitely like they're for real you know this is like it's hard to see it and then we're in it but it is a moment you know like yeah i like that people are into it now i'll ride the wave as long as we can i'll always make sensitive records if people want to keep making them you know i don't i don't think like you know sensitive uh, open letter music ever really goes out of fashion's the wrong word. I don't want to say that. I don't. I don't think yeah. music is like fashionable. I think ever ever goes out of like suffers a loss of connection with people. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think it always kind of stays stays relevant. Yeah, man, for sure. Because is that is that what you were drawn to as as a listener? Like, obviously now you still you're still quite a young gazer, man. Um, like. Yeah. Like, is that what you're drawn to now and back and like 10 years ago or when you were like 16? Like what, what, what was your brain kind of like scientifically connected to and what did you want to hear? What was your like golden standard for a record? Um, I really always loved singer songwriter, folk music, like bright eyes, Phoebe Bridgers changed my life. Like yeah, a yeah. lot of that soft, gentle music. Mm. has spoken to me but i i have like this real contrast that exists where there's two different nates there's one that listens to that and then the other one listens to like kanye all the time and is full of hip-hop <laughs> yeah. um, so it kind of exists in like this dichotomy where where i'm able to kind of turn both brains on but most of the time i'm into a lot of a lot of gentle gentle sounding music you know yeah yeah same man i've like obviously yeah phoebe and bright eyes yeah so sick man do you like the do you like the bit of oblivion stuff they did i absolutely adored it 2019 i listened to the record like twice a day on tour it got me through yeah yeah yeah, about, yeah a fantastic record man do you know frank turner do you like him uh yeah i've listened to some i don't like not as much but definitely yeah. appreciate do you, you ever heard of an artist named bahamas yeah, bro. Yeah, my fucking ex-girlfriend used to like them. They're Canadian, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, sorry if it's a sore wound, but I love Bahamas, man. He's another one, just like the coolest oh, guitar sound. No, no sore wounds, man. I'm chilling now. It's all good. Um, yeah, Bahamas is cool. I was enjoying that, actually. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. I should definitely jump back in. Hell yeah, man. So yeah, man, what, what, is, is that what you're kind of connected to now and like your active listening material? now as, yeah. as you would say yeah i would i would say so it, it's that and also now because i'm in la and i'm trying to work as like under a big producer is like mm. i'm just listening to what's coming out too like i listen to a lot of 
uh, whatever's on New Music Friday, just kind of as research to see what people are listening to and what people are liking these days. Yeah, how how are you finding that, man? Uh, like what people are listening to, obviously, because you're approaching it from a very different, you know, standpoint now. How how do you put that into what you're doing? And is it is it very? Are you? There's like a short sighted vision come into stuff now. Not not that that's yours personally, but do you think that's like a, a real? It defines how the music industry is really acting now. Yeah, I I mean I think for sure. Like I think what I try to do with my listening is like I try to do it to stay informed and then try not to think about it like yeah I'll I'll listen to a lot of like you know whatever's coming out try to like sit with it feel like do I like this do I not like this what do I like about it or not and then go to the next one and then like I'm not really trying to recreate anything in my daily life I'm just like I want to stay in the know you know for new music yeah, do you find it's do you find it's an ever changing and it's very hard to keep up with in a way? Or have I know you haven't been in LA for too long in this kind of bubble, but is it like you hear something one week and then you might take three weeks to kind of put your put like incorporate that in your ideas and then stuff starting to kind of move on a little bit? Is it is it yeah. like a, a race yeah. that can't be won in a way sometimes? Totally. I mean, because it changes so fast, and then like it's also there's no one sound anymore. You know, like. Yeah. that defines whatever quote-unquote pop music is you know because you'll have like you know on the same playlist of new music like you'll have a rock song by machine gun kelly and then you'll have a rap song and then an acoustic song and it's like who knows you know like nobody knows we're just all guessing you know yeah it's it's weird isn't it that mgk record man it's so strange. If that had came out in like 2007, I think he would have got like ruined for it. People would have been like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's an interesting resurgence that I didn't expect, you know? Yeah, I, it's really weird because I, I, what, what do you think of that record? It's just, I mean, it's just not for me. Like I, I, I didn't listen like after the first listen i was like okay that's i don't need to listen to this again yeah same yeah same i I thought it sounded like i didn't think his lyrical content was like amazing what was really going on was that cool but like it did sound like fuck like an early pop punk record yeah i'm very curious to like what people who don't know the history of the genre feel about it you know yes yes, never listen to the pop punk that we listen to it's like I wonder what, what it sounds like to them, you know? I wonder as well. I bet they're like, whoa, this is so, like, new and creative. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, you know, like all the teenagers now who, like, didn't know any of the the history of it. I think know? they are, though, man. Like, they must be, like, I don't know, 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old people. They must be, like, thinking this is a brand new set of ideas. But, like, Travis fucking Barker produced the whole thing. <laughs> I know, man. I know. So it can't be that <laughs> new. This, because like, look whose idea the whole kind of vibe was. I know, I know. But yeah, I'm like, I'm so curious. I would love to find someone outside of the bubble who knows, you know. Oh, that would be so fucking funny to be like, you know those like anonymous interview videos that people do just to ask strangers questions? Yeah. <laughs> like it'd be cool to like go around like a university campus like in LA or something and just be and just 
maybe give it like do like a few MGK questions and follow it up with like a pop punk history round and compare the two. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good idea. Yeah, mate. If you ever want to like proceed on this, like do it. Like we could make like a cool intro on the violin and stuff. <laughs> All right, I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> Thank you very much for talking to me today, man. Do you have much plan for today on your Saturday? Uh yeah, dude. I'm just kind of like I'm working every day, just like working on songs and stuff. That's that's I just yeah. Why take days off? You know. Yeah, mate. What about you? You you got a nice day, chilling. Yeah, it's cold here today in England, mate. It's been like minus three. Oh fuck that. Very cold, man. But yeah, I I wasn't working today, bro. So I met my because we're full lockdown here, man. You can't do fuck all. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just went for a walk with my friends, and I went for a walk with my dad, and literally, man. Uh, then I had this to do. It's like all these minor events become huge events in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, man. I hear that. Yeah, but it's been an all right day, man. It's been nice to find some enjoyment in the stuff that you wouldn't usually associate with it. Like, I don't mean I don't mean that about this or anything. Just like, oh, going for a walk or like having pretty much nothing to do. It's good to feel like peace towards it. Of course. Yeah, it's like, I mean, that's one of the positive things. Like, it brings enjoyment back to little things in life. Yeah, like, I, I hope to keep walking. I used to not like walking until a year ago, and now it's pretty yeah. yeah, mate, that was cool to chat, man. I'd like to keep going. We should talk again sometime. Yeah, man, anytime. I really I really appreciate you reaching out. You're a really easy guy to talk to. As soon as Nick told me about me, like, told me about you, like, a year ago, I was like, I'd like to speak to this geezer. I just got to, like, get around to it and make some time. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for... Uh, and I did put your name in bold on that thing, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I think he sent me a picture of that. Yeah, he was, uh, he was fucking adamant, man. He, like, he went out of like, being interviewed mode and was like, please highlight <laughs> it and click B. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, don't worry, man. I won't let you down at all. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. No stress, it. mate. Well, fucking keep looking after yourself, man, and staying true and keeping it real. All right, later, man. Thanks.